Before we get started, again, another reminder, uh, if you take notes uh, on Wednesday nights, there's a pamphlets or brochures at the back table. There's Bibles back there as well. Um, as much as we like to run around and get sweaty and play games, this is also a time where we're going to learn for a few minutes. And so make sure you grab one of those. Uh, if you have a cell phone, now is a great time to hand it into the alligator. Mindy will take it and put it in a safe space, like a bathtub full of water or something. No. Please be honest. Please don't hide your phone. Let's put it away. Keep the distraction to a minimum. So we're starting a new series. Uh, by the title screen behind me, it's called Eating with Jesus. Uh, the cupcakes and the birthday celebration and everything wasn't uh, part of the plan, but it all worked out, which is awesome. So we're doing a series called Eating with Jesus. It's the next three weeks. And then uh, the last, sorry, not the last, uh, the June 12th will be our last uh, Wednesday night program. Uh, we'll do a big barbecue, so we'll be eating some more then. Uh, and then July 8th is our first Monday night. I'll have a calendar for you guys ready by the end of the week. It'll be online so you can save it on your phones or view it wherever you can. Uh, and so you can keep track of what's going on. Quick reminder of what's happening this summer. Uh, Monday nights at 7 o'clock we'll have our program. We'll watch a video. We'll do some small group discussions as one kind of big group sort of idea. And then we'll go from there and do, uh, there was a garbage up here. Uh, and then we'll go and do either beach night or Dairy Queen or bowling or Nerf guns or uh, there's a, a glow-in-the-dark night I want to do in here. So that's hopefully we'll work out. Anyways, stay tuned for that. All right, here we go. Um, in case you weren't aware of this, I think most of you do already. This isn't my first church I've worked in. This is uh, church number three that I've, I've had the pleasure <laughs> maybe of working. Uh, I've been around and I've had my fair share of working with uh, different co-workers, uh, some good and some not so good. In one of my last churches, and there have only been two, so I won't be very specific about which one it was, uh, but I didn't get along with one of the other staff members. Um, uh, when we first met, there were the normal pleasantries and the, hey, how you doing, and I'm so-and-so, and nice to meet you, and you know, for the first little bit, we got along. Uh, but over the course of time, there became this tension between us. There were disagreements, there was confusion over what was done or why it was done or how it was done. We oversaw different areas of the church, and so oftentimes our two areas overlapped, and that's where maybe sometimes disagreements came in. We were both very outspoken in our ideas and disagreements. I remember one time there was actually yelling and hostility, hostility between us when I confronted him about an issue, and this is something I'll never forget. I sent him an email. He responded to an email uh, back to me in a way that I felt disrespected. Again, there's always two sides or three sides to every story, and I understand that. My side is I felt quite disrespected in the way that he had emailed me back. So I went to him to sort out any confusion or any misunderstanding, as we should as Christians. Matthew 18, go to your brother if you have an issue and sort it out with him. And so that's what I did. He quickly dismissed me, waved me away, saying, I don't have time for this. If you've gotten to know me over the last year or so, that is not a good way to deal with an issue. <laughs> don't wave me away and don't tell me that you don't, have, you don't have time to deal with this. I quickly found ways after that to make sure that I avoided him as much as I could. I learned to bite my tongue as much as I could because I'm sure we've all heard the phrase, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And so I just didn't, I didn't talk to him. I didn't deal with him. I ignored him. It was not a healthy place to be in. I like to think that I get along with most people. I like to think that everyone has something to offer. Everyone can add to a project, to a conversation, just in life in general. I could not 
for any way find any common ground with this guy at all. It got to the point where people were talking teams. Oh, I'm on Team Andy. Or I don't want to be on that guy's team anymore because he hurt me too or he disrespected me or whatever. And it was getting ridiculous, especially in a church environment. It wasn't a good place to be in. I vowed that I would never act or lead or work like he did if I ever got back or into youth ministry. I'm not sure if it was his, if it was his behavior or his statements or his attitude or just a very, very severe personality conflict. I'm sure some of us can understand what that may or may not be like. I can't put my finger on what it was, but either way, I'm not proud of how I handled it. I'm sure he's not proud of how he handled it. Because honestly, no one's perfect and we all make mistakes, and I know that maybe in some moments I lost my temper when I shouldn't have. Fast forward a few, few months ahead of time, I'm now here, I'm working, I'm happy, and I'm still keeping in touch with some, some of my friends from back home. Out of curiosity, I asked one of my buddies, so how is so-and-so doing? And I'm secretly thinking and hoping that he's utterly failed and he's miserable and he's not doing well and everything else, which is a very wrong attitude to have, and I'll admit that. But I ask, how is so-and-so doing? And my buddy replies back saying, oh, he's doing really good. We were just chatting about you the other day and your name came up and he says that he misses you. <laughs> that was my response. A little bit of a snort and a laugh and quite speechless. I was surprised. To say I was surprised and speechless is an understatement. It was one of the few times in my life that I was at a complete loss for words and I didn't know what to say. Tonight we're going to look at John chapter 21. Uh, it will be up on the screen. It's in your brochure as well. As you know by now, you can follow along. If we need the lights on, just raise your hand. We'll turn the lights on. Do we need the lights on? We can read it pretty well. Caden, can you read it okay? Cool. Uh, we also have Bibles in the back. If you want to grab one of those and follow along, if you want to take one of those home, please do that. Read it. Use it. It's important. All right. Let's follow, follow along. After Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, it, no, I don't want to edit you right now. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called to them and said, friends, haven't you, had, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, uh, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples in the boat, towing the net Followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning, uh, coals there with fish on it, and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat dragged the bed, and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So at this point we find, this is where we are in the story. Jesus had died on the cross, he had rose from the grave. There are about nine different encounters of this happening where Jesus appears to his followers after he's resurrected. The guys, had, the disciples had just gotten back to Galilee and they had been fishing that night and caught nothing. Now, these guys were not new to fishing. They knew how to fish. 
They were fishermen. They were raised fishermen. Before Jesus called them to follow, they were fishermen. Now, a little bit of a history lesson or a cultural lesson, if you will. Most fishermen in that culture in that time, they fished at night or they fished in the early morning so that then they would have something to sell at the markets, make their living and support a family and everything else. The waters were calmer at that time of day, and so fishermen usually had better luck at this time of night. Jesus shows up on shore, hollers out to them, haven't you any fish? This is not mean sarcasm from Jesus. Obviously, he knows what's going on in the boat. He understands the situation. What he says kind of gets lost in translation here. Jesus was more or less asking, have you had a bite to eat? He's not asking if the fish have bitten. He's asking these guys, literally, have you had something to put into your stomach? Are you fed or are you hungry? If they had caught fish, they probably would have had something to eat by that point in the day. Basically, Jesus is calling out and saying, have you had breakfast yet? I'm not much of a breakfast eater. Aiden actually looked at me the other day and said, you never eat breakfast because we make him eat breakfast. We, we make all the stuff and we, force, we literally force him sometimes to eat breakfast. I'm not much of a breakfast eater. How many of you are breakfast eaters? Some, some, uh, maybe, uh, what's your favorite? I, I put it in your notes. You can circle. Have you had, did you have breakfast today? Yes? What's your favorite breakfast? Just shut it up. What's your favorite kind of breakfast? Bacon. There's, there's more than bacon than just in breakfast and bacon. Bacon, waffles, what else? What? Raisin toast. Cinnamon toast crunch. Anybody, anything else? Coffee? Just. Anybody not like eggs? Really? Oh, really? I live in a household where nobody else likes eggs. It's just me. It's a sad house to live in sometimes. I like eggs. I like doing the, 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 the bread with a circle and you put the egg inside of it and it's... But yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And I put cheese on top of that, and I, I had you up to the cheese. My mom raised me with the idea uh, on numerous, that there were numerous health benefits that breakfast was good for you in the morning. Uh, she made sure we ate breakfast every single day. My mom cared about our breakfast, and that seems like a very dumb thing to tell you. My mom cared. Uh, she also cared if I missed youth group or if someone hurt my feelings at school. Uh, but the idea that she cared about my well-being, about breakfast, to me sounds silly, but to a mom, I'm sure, sound, or makes sense, and she, under, and, and she wanted me to be healthy and strong for the day. She gave me all the lines I give Aiden right now. You need to eat your breakfast so you can be strong to play tag at recess and you can pay attention in school and everything else. But what, are we, what do we read in John? We read in John chapter 21. I think it's 21. Yes, 21? Is that what I just read? John chapter 21. This is what we read in John chapter 21. We read that basically Jesus cares for our basic needs. Here's the scenario. The disciples have been fishing all night. They have been out of the game for about a week or two with all the excitement and with all the tragedy of the crucifixion and the resurrection. And so they're back trying to figure out what their new normal looks like now that their, their faith leader was gone, or so they thought that he was gone. And then someone strolls up on the beach and asks them basically about their diet. Have you had breakfast this morning? That's probably the last thing that they wanted to be asked. That may have caused them some, some annoyance. They probably heard that and were just like, you know what, guy, just leave us alone. Because at this point, they didn't know it was Jesus. They had gone through just about every emotion a person could, um, could have gone through 
with the crucifixion, with the resurrection, they felt alone. They felt cast aside because now they think Jesus is gone. They go out to, to fish to try and figure out what their life is going to be like now. And they have no luck. And they should have luck because they know what they're doing. They're fishermen. They should know that they can, they know the right temperature and the right wind conditions and the right lake conditions. And they know the right spots to fish on the lake. I'm not a fisherman. Some of you are. I, I'm trying to make it sound like I know what I'm talking about. I don't have a clue. But these guys did have a clue. And then some random guy walks on the beach and wanted to know if they were hungry. Again, probably the last thing they even thought about or cared about. Sometimes when we think about God, it's, it's hard to imagine that he cares about our problems. Sometimes, um, I, I don't do this often, my mom does this a lot, she'll, she'll pray over lost car keys. Dear Jesus, help Andy find his car keys. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, that's my response. I, 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 well, I used to. Um, my mom will pray about everything. God, please, please let so-and-so win a soccer game. Okay, I don't know if God can control that kind of stuff or not. I usually chuckle when my mom prays like that. I'm learning to have more faith. I think sometimes that stuff as minuscule as that, how, I think how can that be important to the creator of the universe? Does he have more things to worry about than someone winning a soccer game or Aiden hitting a baseball or whatever? However, I've come to learn that it is important to God that our needs are met, whether they are lost keys or a soccer game or maybe our hunger. If God created us, he knows what we need, and one of our most basic and important needs is food. That's what makes us function. Starting in the fall, we're going to start to serve food here on Wednesday nights. Why? There's a lot of different answers that people may have. Maybe an answer is it's easier for families, or maybe because it draws in a crowd, maybe because who doesn't like pizza or chicken nuggets and hamburgers or whatever, cupcakes on a regular basis. There you go, Nicole. My answer is this. People listen better when they're not focused on what's in or out of their stomach. People listen better when they're full. Not only that, but conversation happens around a table. This isn't a plug at all. This just came to my mind. But obviously, hopefully by now you know that we have, we put our sermons on a podcast and so you can listen to them. If you, if you miss them, you can share them with friends maybe. Maybe that's a door to introduce your friends to what we do here and who we are. But we also have another kind of extra episode podcast that we've just recently named The Round Table because conversation happens around tables conversation happens around food. Food plays a critical part in our mood and in our functioning. Who gets hangry? Yeah, absolutely. And the minute you have whatever you have to get rid of your hangriness, your mood changes and you're able to function more and you're able to think better. And so Jesus knew this. Jesus knew that his guys were hungry and that they were grumpy and they were disappointed. And so when the disciples holler back, no, we haven't had anything to eat, he tells them to cast their net on the other side of the boat. And if I were them in the boat, I would roll my eyes. I, I would probably say some angry things because we, they, we would have known that. They knew that. They knew that, to, that they should have cast their net to the other side. Chances are, chances are they did cast their net to the other side. 
But Jesus, said, Jesus says to cast her net on the other side of the boat. They may, they may have replied, we've been out here all night with no success. What's the point of trying the other side? Didn't we try that side like an hour ago? And that's clearly not in John chapter 21. I'm just putting myself in their position. But they did it, and they caught so many fish they couldn't lift the net. It was then that they realized it was Jesus on the shore. Jesus provided for their needs by giving them literal fish. The second thing we can learn from this here is that Jesus also provides not only for our needs, but for our hearts. When the disciples got to shore, Jesus, we read that Jesus was cooking up breakfast. He was cooking up some, some bread and some fish. So let's pause here for a second and let's really think about this. Did Jesus need to eat after he's resurrected? Was Jesus cooking breakfast for himself? Chances are no. Chances are in his resurrected form, in his perfect body that he had, he didn't need to eat. And so who is he cooking breakfast for? Who are the bread and the fish for? Question, do you think that Jesus in his resurrected form needed to eat? I'm going to lean towards the answer, no. Chances are he didn't need to eat. And so he's cooking breakfast for his guys, for his disciples. He's not just cooking breakfast because uh, they were hungry, but he's cooking breakfast for them because he was there to interact with them. And most people naturally let their guard down and openly talk over food. I've had more inspiring and, and powerful conversations with friends and, and honestly strangers around a plate of wings and a glass of pop. Food does something where we can just open up and the comfort level uh, increases around plates of food. Jesus, in this moment, didn't just meet the basic needs of the stomach by bread and fish. Jesus wanted to spend time with them. And he wanted to speak into their lives. And he wanted to encourage them. While they were out in the water, they were discouraged from, from their lack of success at night. But Jesus filled their nets. He met their needs of having fish to eat and sell. And he also wanted to counter their discouragement with peace. Jesus met the disciples' physical needs while also meeting the needs of their hearts. Why? Because Jesus cared about them. And honestly, he cares about you. And I don't care if this is the millionth time that you've heard this. I hope you hear it one more time. Jesus cares about you, and he loves and he cares for his people. As, as simple as providing food for us. The story the co-worker had, I was left confused and surprised. How, this, how could this guy miss me and everything when he treated me like garbage? My thoughts were that he doesn't deserve to miss me. How dare he miss me? But my buddy on the phone stopped me and said this. Basically, he said, Andy, you need to let it go. You need to forgive him. You need to move on. It's not helping anyone. And then he shared some insight to me that he, and, and I, I immediately felt a little guilty uh, because earlier on I was hoping that he'd failed miserably and that everything was going terrible and, you know, how dare he, he deserves it. But my, my buddy on the phone says this. He said he's learned his lesson. He's tasted his own medicine. You need to reach out and ask how you can pray for him. How can you help him? How can you care for him? And my buddy said, reach out and be like Jesus and care. And those words honestly convicted me. But they're true. Jesus cares about people's basic needs, like food. Jesus cares about my basic needs and even my complicated needs. 
And as Christians, we should always be looking for opportunities to act like Jesus. Jesus cared about people's basic needs, and he cared about their heart, heart needs. And at the end of the day, we should care for those same needs towards other people as well. This ties into the series we just finished up called Go, about sharing God's love and going into the world and doing what you can. And so allow me to reiterate or say again the message. Go to your friends, go to your community, go to perfect strangers, and be Jesus to them and try and find creative ways to meet those needs. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for allowing us time tonight to read your word to us. Thank you for showing us how you not only cared for the disciples as they fished, but how you also care for us. And so as we go into small groups, I pray you keep our hearts and minds and ears open to hear from you and to hear from each other. Help us learn. Show us ways on how we can care for each other as you have cared for us. In Jesus' name, amen.